Welcome, everyone, to episode spoiler. Gosh, <laughs> spoiler cast episode two. I'm your host, Rick McVick, and with us tonight is Shaleen. Hey, yo. So, whose mic is now not muted. <laughs> I think this is our second attempt at an intro into this podcast. Third, maybe. Anyway, uh, yeah, so welcome to another spoiler cast with Fallout Off the Record. Um, yeah, so tonight we're going to talk about quests and story and weapons, special weapons and bobbleheads and anything that's spoilery and and that sort of thing. So if you uh, are a little nervous that you're not as far as us, then don't listen. If you've beaten the game, you're farther than both of us, so I guess there's nothing left to spoil. Mm-hmm. Um, so and yeah. We'll be like mentioning what we're going to talk about before we get deep into it, so you'll have a chance to, to pull the cord and jump off. <laughs> Hopefully you're not standing near a ledge when you jump off, but yeah, um, pull the cord and not listen. Sorry, that was lame. See, that was my attempt at topping Ghoul's Gym last last episode. Yeah, that's okay. There's no topping Ghoul's Gym. That was really good. That was pretty good. So, all right, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get started with kind of where I'm at in the game at this point, or what I've been doing the last couple of weeks. So I completed the Silver Shroud quest, and... If you listen to our last episode, I think episode 21, 22, episode 22, 22, um, I talk about the Silver Shroud quest and I talk about how much I absolutely adore Kent, who is the, I guess you could say the, not the antagonizer, but like the, the main organizer of this whole thing. So you pick up a, you pick up a radio signal called the Silver Shroud and it basically plays this old radio program, this radio play. Uh, called the Silver Shroud. I think it's just called the Silver Shroud. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. See, I did it differently. What happened was I stumbled upon Hubris Comics. I think that's what it was called. And I found the Silver Shroud costume and the Silver Gun prop. And I think the transcripts or the the what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the script, I believe. The script. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. I found the script to this, and it started a quest and I was like, okay, this is strange. I don't really know where to go or what to do. And so I was going through the main quest, uh, right around the time you have to go to the memory den. Oh, excuse me. Burp there. Um, around the time you go to the memory den, I walked in there and I found this ghoul named Kent sitting at a radio desk, a ham radio. And, uh, he, he was just, like, super innocent in talking about how much he loves the Silver Shroud, and I was telling him how much I love the Silver Shroud radio program, and I listened to pre-war, and he's like, oh, I can't, you know, he's just super excited, super innocent, you know, just, he's, like, completely optimistic and, like, just a bolt of sunshine in this gray world, and he's like, I've got this project, and I need this, this, and this, and I was like, hey, I've already got all these pieces, so... He makes this silver shroud armor and this special submachine gun. And he's like, I got an idea. You should be a vigilante and I'll call out on the radio different situations that you should go handle. And you should leave these calling cards whenever you take care of crime. So I agreed and he gives you a mission where you got to take out this one guy and like over the radio. He's like, this guy killed this family and that sort of thing. And you end up taking out these different individuals and you leave a calling card in their bo- on their body when you kill them. And, like, different dialogue options give you the chance to talk like the Silver Shroud. And I picked that option every time. Did you? Every time. And I think that they should have made it an option for, like, other quests when you're wearing the <laughs> Shroud suit. 
That would be pretty cool. Every single time. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't do it very often. Uh, I, I did it when I confronted a few of the bad guys. So, mm-hmm. like, the first bad guy I just killed from far away. Uh, the second bad guy, I think I, like, walked up to him and I was like, you need to stop dealing drugs, sir, or whatever, however I said it. But I said it as the Silver Shroud. Anyway, it gets up to the point where some main bad guy starts taking notice that you're killing all of his, like, little minion people. Mm-hmm. And he ends up kidnapping Kent. And you go through this quest. He's at, like, a hospital. And I thought... <laughs> so... Uh, oh, you also have a meeting with... um, Not Hemingway. What's the guy's name? The mayor of... Uh, Hancock. Hancock. I knew it started with an H. You have a meeting with Hancock, and so, like, <laughs> when I first started meeting with him, I was speaking to him as a silver shroud. <laughs> right? But then, like, eventually, he's like, he's like, so you really don't believe in this shtick, do you? And Or something like that. And then I was talking, like, well, no, I don't, you know? And I kind of came down from the voice, you know, just like, no, I'm just, uh-huh. I'm just playing around and, you know, being like this. And I and was it- just making everybody angry, just continuing to talk <laughs> as shroud. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I was definitely like, you know, make, letting people know that I definitely didn't think I was the Silver Shroud, but I played up the character to some extent to the bad guys. So you have to go rescue this guy from this bad guy. Or you have to go rescue Kent from this bad guy, and you have to go into a hospital to do it. I forget the hospital. But it's right near, uh, I think, Fenn's, Fern's, Fenn's uh, department store. Excuse me. And there's a parking garage there. And I looked, and there's a bridge connecting the parking garage to the hospital. And I was like, well, it's obviously very stupid to just walk through the uh, main door of any place that's got bad guys holed up in it. So I'll just go up the parking garage and go across the walkway there and, you know, take them by surprise. Because for some reason they won't watch the only other door to to the building. My logic. Anyway, so I get into the parking garage. It ends up being this ridiculous maze full of, like, booby traps and ghouls and <laughs> flamethrowers. And it took me, like, a half an hour to get through it because I just wasn't sure what to expect. And there's, like... At one point, there is two cells that are locked and booby-trapped. And I tried so hard to, like, figure out how to open them without setting up because a ton, ton of loot. But I think it's... I think it always triggers no matter what you do, and it blows up everything in the room so you can't get it. I think it's like a cruel joke. Anyway, I made it, finally, I made it up to the roof of this parking garage, and the door to the hospital across the walkway is boarded off, so I have no choice but to go through the front door anyway. (laughs) That's really funny. That was a waste of time. So I go through the front door, and I kill his little peons, and I get to confront the main bad guy, and I can't remember his name at this point. Me either. It started but, with an S, I think. Yeah, I can't remember. And he's like this massive ghoul. He's massive. He's like huge, like built. Mm-hmm. And he's got a gun to Kent's head and and you have a little bit of dialogue with him. And I said, I said, why don't you take care of me first or something like that? Like it was one of, it was like a challenge, speech challenge. I was like, why don't you take care of me first and then just kill Kent later? And he's like, you know what? I'll do that. So he took his gun off of Kent and started, they all started firing at me. So I took out you know, my, I'm using the deliverer at this point. And, um, 
I started taking out his guys and I would shoot them a bunch of times and I'd see their health go all the way down and I'd get to the next guy and I'd shoot them a bunch of times and watch their health go all the way down. I noticed that they were still fighting and I didn't kill them all the way. So it was like this whole Austin Powers moment. So like, why won't you die? Because <laughs> they would not die. So killed all those little minions and killed him and I rescued Kent. And I did have to reload once because I picked the other option of challenging of saying, I made it this far, what makes you think I'm not going to kill all of you? And his little minions that were there assisting him, like, backed down, and, except he was still um, an enemy. And I didn't kill him fast enough, and he killed Kent. So I was like, I couldn't live with myself, so I reloaded. And I don't normally mm -hmm. do that sort of thing. But I liked Kent so much. And I reloaded and and saved him. So, I probably reloaded that a dozen times trying to save Kent. Because <laughs> I, I had to intimidate a shroud. <laughs> And his, wow. his minions would be like, oh, gosh, it's really the shroud. <laughs> I didn't have that option. And he would get mad and shoot Kent. Aww. So I would have to, uh, I, I intimidate a shroud and then have a ranged weapon, like, ready and pop him immediately. Nice, nice. Yeah. But I, I tried doing that, but I just didn't, I could really only hit his head. And it, it and it, it's just hard to hit heads in this game in vats. So, it really is. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and can I say a couple things about that quest? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'd like to talk about Kent for a minute and Kent's eyes. I don't know if you've noticed in Fallout 4, the ghouls all have solid black creepy eyes. Some have red and orange ones. Well, Kent's are just normal eyes. They're kind of bloodshot, but he's got blue eyes. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even know. Kent notice. has human eyes. They're, they're bloodshot, but they're definitely human. Uh, and I think that's sort of, I don't know, symbolic of, of that he's on the inside. You know, he's this innocent, you know, yeah. uh, pure kind of a guy. And uh, something that really cracked me up with this quest was when they uh, you get the message on the radio station that Kent's been kidnapped. Uh <laughs> Kent pipes up and he's like, it's a trap, Shroud, don't do it. Oh, shoot him in the leg. Yeah. And he's like, oh, God, do it, Shroud, do it now. <laughs> the part that I, I cracked up at. Well, that part made me so sad. Um, it's like super sad, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. But what got me was at the very end of it, you, you both are with Hancock. So it's you, Kent, and Hancock. And it was this very like like – 1999 end of a sitcom moment where like everyone's together and everyone's fine yeah and it's like this kind of like well that was crazy wasn't it yes it was bob kind of thing <laughs> and um there was a moment where like hancock is like would you have done anything different and uh kent's like well no <laughs> maybe i would have locked my door <laughs> like that was like the punchline to the whole and everyone laughed and the screen faded on the end credit music kind of thing. That was where I lost it. was just like, maybe I would have locked the door. <laughs> just, it just funny. just showed his innocence, you know what I mean? So. Sure. But yeah. Um, That's all I had. I just, those were a couple of things I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I, know, I know you really enjoyed that quest. I did. I'm still wearing my silver shroud outfit, in fact. Totally not. <laughs> Although... So, and this will tie in a little bit into my story mode. I'm at a point now where I can um, uh, add ballistic weave into certain types of garments that would otherwise be um, no damage protection whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if I could upgrade the uh, Silver Shroud armor at all now. Kent can upgrade the Silver Shroud armor for you. What? 
Visit him every 10 levels or so, and he will upgrade your armor. Oh, I didn't know that. I love the gloves. That's the only reason why I wore it. Those gloves are awesome. I, like, I wish I could just wear gloves normally. Like, black gloves or fingerless gloves would be so sweet. Uh, I wonder why gloves aren't an option. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's strange. But I did, I did wear it for the gloves mainly, but I didn't really like the... I do want to do, like, a gangster character. It'd be kind of fun. Like, slicked hair and, like, mm-hmm. always with a submachine gun just blasting away. I don't know. I saw the movie Lawless, so gangsters are stuck in my head. Um, so, yeah, I also did Kate's Quest where uh, we got a few emails, and we'll talk about them later, but one of the one of the people in the emails was talking about how much they really enjoyed Kate. And I, I was the same way. For some reason, she was just a little endearing to me. And I think I mentioned this before on the podcast where... I did her quest and I, I romanticized her to the whatever, to the max or something. Wow, that sounded really bad. Um, but yeah, so her quest is really interesting. I just unlocked that quest. She just asked me for help. And what is what is she asking you to do? What's the first thing she asks you to do? Uh, she's asked me to go to the vault. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, you go to the vault. She, she tells you that she's been addicted for a while. Right. And it took her a long time to get to the point with that conversation. It did. It really did. And I felt like that really kind of solidified. It, it made it, it made it really feel honest and real. Like she was very, very embarrassed about it and was kind of like trying to cushion the blow as much as she could. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. So I felt like that was very sincere as far she as she was like, embarrassed. Yeah. Like the voiceover work was very, um, realistic and, and it felt very true. Uh, so she asked you to, to go with her to vault 91, she has to go to vault 95 cause they have that vault was particularly set up for people who were addicted to chems and it was like a way to help them get clean. But then the twist was cause it's vault tech that one of the guys was a plant and he opened up like five years into this program. He opened up a secret wall and it was just full of chems and alcohol. Oh yeah. So that's ev- awful. So everyone went nuts and started killing each other. And then you're kind of there when all the, and like, that's the backstory behind the vault. All those guys are dead and gone. It's Raiders have taken over, but they have a machine that removes addiction. So she asks you to take her there so she can chance trying to get this addiction removed. And, and I did that and she survived. I have no idea if there's a way where she does die. Um, you know what I mean? I, I yeah. don't know if that's like a possibility or not, but she survived for me. I guess it would be. It would... sounded like she was really bad, spitting up blood and everything. Right, yeah. And and like she's screaming the whole time it's going on. So I, I, I had assumed that there was a possibility she might die from it. But she survived and we all live happily ever after. And I gave her my wedding ring and now she's the primary person that I take around everywhere. And she switches weapons on her own, which is really cool. Like she'll use her double barrel shotgun, but I just noticed she picked up a flamer <laughs> and I was like, sweet mm-hmm. <laughs> good girl. I don't need to like babysit her. So, yeah. So I got, um, I got the underwater breathing perk, which is a little breaky for me at this point, but it's fallout. So I just, whatever, <laughs> like, it just feels like such a weird perk. Like that was maybe the first perk I bought, but doesn't it feel like it's a little, uh, little supernaturally for this kind of game. I mean, I have no problems with it. (laughs) 
Everything, video games, Rick. Video do, do, games. Okay, fine, let's fine. not let's not let lore break the fun. Okay, fine. So I got the quest, and I decided uh, one day to just swim around for a very long time, and I did that, and I found that weird substation with like a bunch of lights on it, and there's actually a lot of lights on a lot of pipelines around there. I actually found a pipeline with an openable hatch that has like um, med packs and stuff inside of it, like stamp stim packs. Um, so that was really weird. It's just a random little thing. But other than that, I didn't find anything underwater, and I pretty much did a big sweep of the whole eastern sea area and up up north a little bit. Because I remembered in the concept art, there was the art of a submarine, like a Chinese submarine. Right. We were very excited about that. Yeah. And I was like, this is really strange. You know, like there's nothing here. There's nothing sunk. And you can kind of finagle the water around a little bit so you can find a spot where the filth the water filter goes away and you can see clearly for a while <laughs> so you can kind of see what's going on around you and it's not dark like you know what i'm talking about it's like a glitch you can kind of take away that murky filter and it's clear water um anyway i couldn't find any sub and i just let it go so a couple days later i was exploring southie I, I believe it was Southie. And I was looking, I was walking around the dock, the coastal area, and I hear this little boy go, Oh, look, there it is, there it is. And and I walk up to him, and he turns around. He's like, Did you see it, mister? Did you see the sea monster? And I was like, Huh, this should be interesting. And I said, You know, what sea monster? I didn't see anything. And he said, There's a big sea monster out there, and every once in a while it sticks up its eye, like its eye stalk, and looks around, and then it goes back down. And my head's like, There's the sub. That's where it's at. And I look out in the water, and you can see every once in a while this thing pops up out of the water, looks around, and then goes back down. I was like, that's awesome. So I I swim over, and, and the water's murky, and then there, like, slowly appearing is this massive, massive hull of a wow. submarine. And it's just so – like, I don't know why, but I think being underwater in murky, dark conditions and just not knowing what's down there is super creepy. So just seeing this looming big – stationary machine was just really odd and you can only see a little bit of it at a time and there's a hatch on the top and you go down inside of it and captain Zhao is a ghoul he's the captain of the submarine oh gosh i was so hoping there would be chinese ghouls on the sub well it's it's just him and i won't spoil the quest line but he uh he starts talking about going back to china and he gives you the story of what he did and and of like why he's there. Like they'd struck a mine and then he pulled into the harbor so they could survive or whatever. But they had launched like 20 ICBMs at the United States. Like that was his mission. Mm-hmm. And he, he's like really regretful of it. But he starts talking about going back to the mainland. So I was trying to like dig for information of like trying to figure out like, you know, is it still there? What's it like kind of thing. And and he just was he just was like, if there's anything left, I'll rebuild. If I can't rebuild, I'll die kind of thing. And so, um, part of me is like, I wonder if there's going to be like DLC where he can take you over to China. Like, that'd be so cool. You know, that would be very cool. So I did that quest and, um, I'm not going to spoil it for you, Shaleen, cause it's, it is a fun quest and it's just kind of cool exploring that submarine. But at the end of it, he gives you, um, he gives you these homing beacons. He gives you three of them that when you chuck them down, he launches a small tactical nuke. <laughs> Oh, wow. And that was what I showed you That's right That's what you were the... showing me. That is so cool. Yes, but it's a small tactical nuke. It's basically a mini nuke. Um, mm-hmm. But they don't seem to work very well, <laughs> or they just seem to take a really, really long time to, like, link up and with them. you need to be on the coast, right? I, I don't quite know what the range is. Uh, 
it, yeah, I don't know what the range is. I haven't used them. I really pretty much finished that quest, and then I decided to save and see if I could blow up the Pridwin with it, but it, it doesn't do anything to the Pridwin. <laughs> but, um, I've been focusing on a lot of Minutemen and Railroad quests, which kind of... Oh, I want to talk about one more thing before I get into the main story. Uh, Longneck Lakowski's Cannery. So have you been exploring and found these little cans of meat called potted meat? Have you seen that? I think I have found a can of potted meat. So, <clears throat> yeah, this this cannery is where all of that is made. Oh, walk, I you, think I see where this is going. And you walk inside, and this guy is getting into an argument with this girl from, I, she's got a vault suit on, and I think she's from Vault 81. Yeah, she's from Vault 81. And she's complaining how people are getting sick. And he's just basically like, look, like, it's high-quality meat. Like, what's five or six people getting sick out of, like, you know, 20 or something? It's like, it's fine. It'll be fine. She's like, well, I'm done selling your product. And he's like, fine, get out of here. And he's like, I'm sorry I had to see that. And he's, you know, just talking to me. Would you like some fine potted meat? And I was like, can I have a look around? He's like, sure, fine. And he's like, just be careful of mole rats. We've been having them around. Uh, and he's like, if you see any mole rats on the conveyor belt, don't touch them because we're using some of that meat or whatever. And... And I said, would you like me to take care of your mole rat problem? He said, sure. Just don't go down to the basement. It's not, you know, safe down there. So, of course, what do I do? I go to the basement because if anyone says anything like that, I'm going, you know? Of course. Like Bluebeard's wife. What? You got to go in the basement. Bluebeard's wife? Yeah. Isn't that Bluebeard? Am I, am I saying the wrong story? The, uh, I think it's Bluebeard. Tells his wife, like, you can go anywhere in the house except not this locked room. I have no idea what you're talking about. And she about. goes in the locked room, and there's the heads of his previous wives. Yo. And like he's like, you know what? We could have had a long, happy life together, but you opened this door, so now you got to join him. <laughs> oh, boy. that's some. What is that from? It's like an old story, mm. like a fairy tale that's like seriously an old story, like as old as Cinderella. I've never even heard of that. Yes. I'll have to check that out. But, uh, so yeah, I go down to the basement, and, um... There's just a bunch of ghouls down there, and you have to fight your way through this really broken down, you know, sewer thing or whatever. And you finally make it to the other side, and you pop up in this room where there's, like, a bone saw, uh, one of those Dremel bone cutter saws, mm -hmm. like a hacksaw and some stuff. And if you look in this, like, metal bin, it's just full of ghouls, like, full of ghoul parts. Oh, no! And then, like, the thing pops up, like, an objective. Because it is, like, a marked quest. And the marked quest, it's, you know, says, you found the secret, like, you found the secret ingredient. <clears throat> oh, he talks man. So, he, basically, people have been getting sick because this guy's been putting ghoul meat, human meat, in these, you know... Okay, not just human meat, ghoul meat. Ghoul meat. There, there's a big old difference there. Yeah, so, but the thing is, too, like, when you go to his con his conveyor line, you can see, like, rad roach meat, uh, rag, rag, rad stag, uh, what else is there? Meyer lurk and mole rats. Like, there's a ton of different types of meats that go into this, but he also puts in, you know, the, the ghoul meat. And you find different terminals about how he tried to just put in Brahmin meat, but there wasn't enough Brahmin, so he, like, started putting in radstag meat, and then, like, that was, you know, he's finding it was cheaper to put in, like, you know, mix it with mole rat, and then <laughs> you could just kind of see how wow. McDonald's he was going with it. The slippery like putting slope. The slippery slope of bad quality for quantity kind of thing. And, um, 
you pop out of the room. He's like, I told and on a loudspeaker. He's like, I told you not to go down in the basement. Now you're going to die. And like, he tries to actually, he doesn't really leave the room. He yells that from. So I just sniped him from afar and then kind of walked out. <laughs> so, um, that was a really, really cool quest. But as far as the story is concerned, I made it into the Institute. So. Yeah, I'm not that far. Yeah. So I'm going to try to tiptoe around this a little bit. Um, I know exactly where you are. But you're going through the story, and each time, each each with each quest that you complete within the story, you you get more of a drive to find your son. Mm-hmm. And the, the the key factor is that drive, right? And yeah. they pull a twist off so weirdly. I mean, it's not weird. They just do it so subtly in such a strange way where when you get into the Institute, all of that steam just goes away and you're left with, what am I supposed to do now? Because like the directions and I'll equate it to new Vegas. When you finally, when you finally get the platinum chip. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you kill Benny. You kind of have those multiple options. You can kind of do it for yourself, do it for house or whatever faction you want to take over the strip. Yeah. But you still had like a direction you knew you could go in and it would progress the story. Mm-hmm. There isn't really a direction that's obvious to progress the story anymore. That's odd. And it's you're right. It's very odd. And and I think what it lets you do is I think depending on how you get into the institute, I think think you can keep doing missions for the faction that you choose to help you get into the Institute. And I think that's how you progress the story because I, uh, right now the only really main story quests are very involved with the railroad and that's who I chose to help me to get, get into the Institute. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, but the thing is the, the, the objective that I have doesn't feel like it does anything for the main story. So that's, that's what I mean. It's just, it's just weird. And, and, but like, that's what I mean. It's a brilliant twist and that they make you like get all this energy and then it has nowhere to go. (laughs) So it just kind of fizzles out of you. You know what I mean? Do you, do you know what I'm trying to explain? Like you have all this spent up, like this pent up energy and you have nowhere to put it. It's just a kind of a letdown. No, it's not even a letdown. It's just, it's such a state of, for me, it's just a state of like, I don't even I don't even know how to what to do. I, I don't know who I, I don't like I don't I, I just don't know who to side with. You know what I mean? Because everything is so nebulous as far as story and history and and whose like goals or what. Like everything yeah. is super nebulous. And it's just like I don't even know where to go from here because if I make a wrong move, it it could be bad for the whole commonwealth. But that's the brilliance of it is because now you're real you, – because you're not – your hand isn't held. You know what I mean? Or maybe mm-hmm. this is just my experience. But it's just like I don't want to make the wrong move because I don't want things to hit the fan. I think that sounds awesome. It, it, all of that sounds – you know, that that's how Fallout does things. That's It's kind of how Bethesda does things as far as I can tell, leaving things – always in a gray area where you're not necessarily making a decision of like good versus evil or right versus wrong, you know, bad versus good. It's just a decision. True. 
I it's mean, just what you chose. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that with especially the Elder Scrolls games. With the Fallouts, I always felt it was a little bit more. Sorry, with Fallout Three, I always felt it was a little bit more black and white. Like, don't blow up Megaton or blow up Megaton. Like, it's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty black and white. And then like the whole FEV thing, it'll kill everyone with a mutation, which is everyone that you know isn't. I don't know. New Vegas was a little more nebulous as far as who to pick because the NCR was kind of good but kind of bad, and yeah, I don't know. But um, what was I going to say? So <clears throat> I've been siding with the railroad anyway and i've been doing a lot of different side quests for them mm-hmm. and one of the things that they send you to do is kill coursers have you fought a courser yet no <coughs> excuse me coursers are like the 007s of the institute um they're highly trained highly skilled wreck they re- they they find lost synths mm-hmm. and they're very militant about how they do it and they're very vigilant so they're very tough to cross but here's the thing you're since the railroad helped me into the institute you can kind of see what angle they're playing so you're kind of there for them in Mm -hmm. a way so with you attacking coursers you're kind of you're almost kind of like blowing your cover you know what I mean? Oh, I see. So you have to be careful on how you do some of these missions for the railroad now because of just – it's so hard to explain without going into, like, detail. And, like, that's what I mean. It's so nebulous and it's so, like, delicate for me because I don't know what the rest of the game holds. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm, like, being – they're, like, we need you to go kill, like, a courser and his synths. And I'm, like, well <laughs> – should I go do that? Or should you send another heavy to go do that? Um, so it's it's really strange. And, and yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm kind of holding there, especially waiting for you to catch up. Um, and and you're, you're pretty close. You're pretty close. So uh, yeah, I'll leave the story there. And I'll talk one more thing. I'll talk about one more thing. Some weapons that I'm using. I went to University Point, and there you can find a very cool weapon called the Prototype UP77 Limitless Potential. It's basically a laser rifle that does not use any ammo. The ammo count on the thing is 999, and it never goes down. So I fully upgraded the thing to be the highest-powered fully automatic it could be, and it's basically better than a Gatling laser. <laughs> it's a laser, okay. laser Gatling. It's, it's pretty rad. I think it uses your ammo. You just don't have to reload. Because I have a, a 10 millimeter that's like that. And it shows 999 because you have over 1,000 rounds. No, but see, that's the thing, though. It shows that 999 in the clip, not in the reserve ammo. Right. So it is using your ammo. It's just... Um, that number doesn't go you down, You don't have though. to reload. Yeah, it doesn't because you still have more than 1,000 ammo. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that the UP-77 is, is unlimited ammo. Let's look it up. But, okay. Um, I have also found a gun, and maybe you can help me out with the pronunciation of this, Shilin. But it's Le, Le Fusil Terrible? Okay, I, I don't speak any French, oh. but I'm going to go with Le Fusil Terrible. <laughs> oh, you are absolutely right. The UP-77 is unlimited ammo capacity, not unlimited ammo. Okay. 
So you were right, Shalina. I apologize. That's okay. Um, so, all right, you don't have to reload. So I've been running around just shooting the crap out of everything, and not even I've just been thinking I've had unlimited ammo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. I have over two thousand um, cells anyway. Like I have plenty of ammo for this gun because I never used the type of ammo before. So. Anyway, I've been using that shotgun, and basically it dam- does a lot more damage to limbs, but it, its kick is ridiculous, and I have it fully upgraded, so it's super powerful. And then the uh, pistol that I've been using is a pistol you get in the storyline called Kellogg's Pistol. Um, you eventually, well, you'll talk about it, Shaleen, but you get this pistol in the story, and it is absolutely amazing. It is a winner, for sure. So I've been rambling on for a half an hour about all that. So what have you done? What What's some... Uh, Where are you at in the story? Well, I've been plugging away at the main story. I'm really trying to catch up because I know I'm not playing as fast as as many people out there. I went ahead and uh, when we left off last spoiler cast, we had uh, gotten Valentine out of his imprisonment in the vault and uh, we're back at Diamond City with him. And I talked to him about finding Sean and he told me, um, you know, whatever can you remember? So I talked to to Valentine. It was kind of like an interview. And from what I told him, he decided that it sounded like this mercenary named Kellogg, who had been known to be involved with some disappearances before. And lo and behold, Kellogg happens to have a house here in Diamond City. So he takes me to Kellogg's house where I pick the lock on the house. And we go inside, check it out. There is a secret room in the house that has uh, some stuff, some useful things that I yeah. looted, and also some particular brands of beer and cigars. And uh, at this point, I suggested that maybe dog meat could track catalog. And I wonder if you don't use dog meat, how do you progress this quest? Right. And I think. Last spoiler cast, that was where I had been, and I was saying that I'd use dog meat for some part in the story, and that's exactly what I was thinking too. It's like I don't know how you would continue without dog meat being there. Yeah, I'm really. I if you are out there listening and you did this without using dog meat, let us know how that goes um, because I'm really interested to find out. I would suspect that Nick would suggest that you go ha- get a dog or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Well, I used dog meat, and we tracked Kellogg, and that was really fun. It was. And it made me really regret that you can't have a, a humanoid and, a, like, a dog companion at the same time. Because it was really fun having dog meat out front, like, scouting and uh, Valentine watching my back. I really enjoyed playing through that segment. That and was a lot of fun. I, I would like to be able to take dog meat and my humanoid companion. You mean Nick? Yeah, Nick. <laughs> Any, anybody else, you know. Oh, I anybody. thought you liked Nick especially. I do like Nick. I, I like all the companions so far, with a couple of exceptions. Uh, I'm not crazy about Strong, the super mutant. <laughs> he just kind of... Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I get really frustrated at um, Cotsworth. But <laughs> I really like most of the companions in mm-hmm. the game. So anyways, we follow Dogmeat up to Fort Hagen. Mm-hmm. And... I find a way into Fort Hagen. Uh, I believe it was on the roof. It was 
Now you're laughing at my pronunciation. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You've just been spending too much time with dog meat. Oh, shut up, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) There's this guy that I work with, right? And his name is also Rick. Oh, great. And he talks a lot. And uh, it's kind of a thing that we tell him, shut up, Rick. And uh, it's it's funny to be telling telling you somebody else shut up Rick. Nope, used to that used to that phrase. Usually though, it's not Rick. But anyway. <laughs> so well. anyways, we were at Fort Hagen, and uh, uh, Nick Valentine sent Dog Meat home. He's like, "Hey boy, you know you deserve a rest. We'll take it from here." Huh. And we go into the building. It's full of scents, and I was trying to be kind of sneaky. Uh, I've been playing a lot sneakier in this this game than I usually play Fallout. Interesting. And I cleared this whole building with a 10 millimeter pistol, just a plain old 10 millimeter pistol, which now that I think about it was kind of a stupid thing to do because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was it was not that was not the gun for this this mission. I had a lot of much better guns, but that's what I did. I, I had the 10 millimeter pistol. Clear in Fort Hagen. I know I've got this shotgun, but eh, I think I'll take the pistol. I did. I had a shotgun. I had righteous authority. I had nice. a lot of really good weapons, but I just <laughs> used the 10 millimeter pistol. Well, the the pistols are pretty insane in this game anyway. Well, mm. some of them. The 10 millimeter being one of them being pretty, pretty awesome. I enjoy the 10 millimeter. But I noticed as we're going through this building, when we get down into the, the underground part... That's kind of a, a tunnel. Mm-hmm. He starts talking smack, Kellogg, over loudspeakers, I guess. He called me yeah. a TV dinner. A TV dinner? He did. He said, hey, it's the TV dinner. Last time I saw <laughs> you, you were next to the carrots and the peas. That's right. I forgot about that. That was very, um, it felt like Apocalypse Now, kind of. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Did you ever see that movie? Um. I think I saw it, but I don't really, I don't remember it well. Wasn't that a like a retelling of Heart of Darkness? Yeah, yeah. Just Conrad. Yeah, so uh, it, it, um, I think there's, I think there's, I don't know why it reminded me of that. I don't know. Maybe it's just some movie where the guy talks with a loudspeaker to freak the people out, but yeah, it was cool. I think I've seen it, but I, I can't really contribute to that conversation. It's probably the wrong movie anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like him, though, calling me a TV dinner and, and stuff and telling me to turn back just meant that he was afraid. Yeah. I, I really thought that's, you know, he, he was trying to distract me, trying to throw me off because mm-hmm. he knew I was coming for him. Mm-hmm. And just as a little side note, before we left for this, Valen told me, like, you don't need to be afraid of anything the Commonwealth can throw at you. Oh. And I had been pretty scared in this game up till now of things. I was hiding a lot and avoiding fights because I I was still pretty low level. And I thought that's a really nice thing to say, Nick. And I'm not going to be afraid of anything anymore. And I resolved then not to run away from any more behemoths or Meyer Alert Queens or anything because Nick Valentine had faith in me. (laughs) Wow. so I got to the bottom of Fort Hagen with my 10 millimeter pistol and uh, had that conversation with Kellogg. Yeah. And here we had an instance of uh, the Cole Phelps syndrome in which I, I picked a dialogue option and it was not at all what I expected them to say. 
I thought we were going to be having, you know, a civil discussion and maybe I could talk him, you know, around to my side. Right. I was wearing my sparkly dress for charisma. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know, we can work this out and and nobody has to die. And (laughs) I pick a dialogue option and my character says... When I die a hundred years from now, I hope that I go to hell so I can kill you all over again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Hmm. <laughs> and then I thought, well, you know, this is really for the best because uh, whether or not I get my son back, this is still the guy that killed Nate. And uh, so I took out my, my knife from the Dunwich uh, borers and killed him with that. Whoa. It was not easy because he had a lot of stealth boys. <laughs> he does. And I was just chasing him around the room with this knife. That, and I was in the sparkly dress because I had been trying to talk him down. <laughs> it, it was just not easy, but I did it. And uh, I picked up those cyborg pieces mm, from yeah. him, which mm-hmm. was odd. And... Uh, then when you leave that building, of course, the Pridwin appears in the sky. Yeah, it does. And this is one of the more powerful moments in video games recently, in my opinion. Um, it's not that often that I feel really surprised when I'm playing a Bethesda game. And I, I thought that I'd finished this quest, this big, you know, step on the way to the main quest. And now it was, you know, time to chill go home and and sort out your belongings and maybe do some side quests. And I was just thinking and I wasn't even paying attention. And I hear that voice from the loudspeaker of the (laughs) people of the Commonwealth. We come in peace. I I don't remember what he said, but it was such a shock. And I look up and here's this massive airship. All these vertebrates are peeling off of it. And Valentine starts quoting Edgar Allan Poe, <laughs> deep into the darkness peering, long I stood there, wondering, fearing. Which is very adequate considering who is coming for them. Yeah. I, I really thought that was the moment that it cemented Valentine as somebody I loved. Oh, wow. Valentine is so cool. That's just... That really, that put him in my my top, at the top of my list there. I really enjoy Valentine. So, do you want to talk about the Pridwin appearing or anything? Um, the only thing that, like, I was just thinking about this, and uh, with you saying it was such a powerful moment, and then I was listening to a podcast today, I think it was the PS I Love You XOXO, and they were talking about um, emotional moments in game. No, was it that or was it kind of funny? I think it was kind of funny where they were talking about emotional moments in their games. And it kind of made me think about like what games have impacted me emotionally and not just on like a this is fun level. And I was trying to figure out why seeing the Pridwin didn't really do anything for me. Like, oh, really? Yeah. And I think like I don't I don't know if it's because in the world of survival, I've been just jaded into like, I mean, maybe, maybe Captain Dumak is right. Maybe I'm a little, um, you know, self survival, whatever you want to call it when it comes to these kind of games. Cause I just kind of like, first of all, I popped out of the, 
the fort and like heard the you know people of the wasteland and and all that and I'm, I'm looking left looking right looking left looking right like looking around like what the frick is doing that and then i decide to like look up and i'm like oh it's a <laughs> big old boat and then i just kind of look looked at it and i was like well this can't be good and then i was like well whatever i don't know it like it was just one of those things that like in my brain i was looking at it and was just thinking this is just another obstacle. I mean, how many more people am I going to have to like kill now? Like, wow. Like, like, well, just to get, we had very different reactions to this. It was, yeah. Like mine was just so much more darker. Like, it, you know, I didn't realize it was the brotherhood of steel at the moment that I saw it until dance he said that it's the brotherhood of steel. Uh, yeah. Like I didn't realize it was them until like, you know, this is the brotherhood of steel, or whatever they said. And, and I just thought to myself, like, I know that I'm going to have to kill all of these guys at some point in the game because of the interaction. I mean, just the way that they presented themselves. I knew it was going to be a hurdle, like something I had to destroy or whatever. And I don't know. It's it's so easy for me in these games to just shoot the people that I can't stand or that get in my way. And I, I don't, but it would it wouldn't. I don't know. I don't because I feel like they could be useful later on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, um, it's very weird. You're the waste. You play as the wasteland sociopath. Well, the funny thing is, too, I saw that I, I follow a, a Facebook page blog called IFing Love Science, and um, it, it, for those of you out there who have never heard of it, uh, check it out. It's really cool. It's just a science blog, and some university in the UK put out this like official, not official, but like, they put out like a quiz, like a. a an evil quiz to see how evil you are. And it, and it was based on some sort of psychological algorithm that they had come up with some sort of system that's that they use anyway. Um, and <laughs> I took the test and I came up infrequently vile. So British sounding, uh, where it's like, you mostly do things for other people, but every once in a while your dark side shines through. And I was like, that's so freaking accurate, <laughs> especially in these games. Um, but yeah, it just didn't really do anything to me. It just was like, okay, there's, there's another enemy I've got to defeat now. And I guess that I have to use Paladin Dance as much as I can before he, you know, gets to be unusable. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Wow. But the, my settlers, I'm very protective over. It's, it's, I'm very, I'm very protective over people who are loyal to me or. So you go like all Rick Grimes for your settlers. Oh yes. It is. My people. When I get attacked, like, by raiders, even though they're dead, I'll walk around and just shoot them in the head again. Like, just, it's, I don't know why. It's just satisfying. Because, like, I feel wow. like if anyone is watching, they're seeing me, like, utterly destroy their attacking party. Like, it, I'm so relentless when it comes to enemies in that game. <laughs> it's just. Sounds like it. It's not. It's so satisfying, though. I don't know. It just itches in a scratch, I guess. But, yeah. Huh. I wonder if they have to cut any of that out. <laughs> it's okay, Rick. It's all good. Video games. It is a video game. Moving back along to the main <laughs> quest. Nick told me that we should go talk to Piper because she would know about the Institute. She's been doing all this research into the Institute. And I thought, well, Piper's been my friend for weeks and weeks now. Why hasn't she told me th- this information that she has? <laughs> So I I fast-traveled back to my gas station where I had left her, and she wasn't there. So I went to Diamond City to her newspaper office, 
And she was there, and I thought that was kind of odd. I guess they just did that for the story purposes. Probably. And it felt like kind of a weird conversation because they were kind of acting like I didn't really know Piper. You know, like this was a first interaction. Uh. But she was one of the first companions that I picked up. And I, I'd hung around with her a lot. And it felt we'd already had we I haven't had her quest yet. I don't know if she has a quest. Not all the companions have a quest. Hmm. But I uh, I had gotten some special dialogue with her. I'd gotten far enough along. So it just, it felt weird to me. I didn't like that section of the game, really, where we're talking with Nick and Piper, because uh, it didn't seem natural. Anyway, we all went together to the memory den, and um, so that we could talk to Dr. Whatever and have her get the uh, information out of Kellogg's brain, and uh, or, or the uh, cyborg, cyborg brain part that I had. And they decide to put it in Nick's brain because it should be compatible. <laughs> and I, I just loved that they didn't even take off his hat for the brain <laughs> surgery. I didn't even notice. Yeah, the doc's back there doing brain surgery, installing this piece into Nick's head. Don't even take off his hat. <laughs> it was so great. And they decide that for some odd reason that I need to also go in a memory lounger. And if we link the memory loungers, then he can, like, host the memory and I can partake in mm. the memory. Yeah. And uh, so I jump in the memory lounger and Piper, like, walks over to the front of it and leans over to look at me, <laughs> which I thought was so funny. Because if you're with your friend who's going in this thing, that's totally how you're going to act. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just going to go peer in the window. <laughs> And this memory trip was really cool, walking through through Kellogg's memories. And it, you're, like, walking along his brain cells, this glowy path of brain cells. Yeah. And it reminded me really strongly of two things from previous video games. That Mass Effect Geth sequence where you learn the, the true story of the Geth. Mm -hmm. uh, was that in two or three? Do you recall? I want to say three. It was in three. I thought it was in three. It kind of reminded me of that. And also of the uh, the weird Desmond dream sequence from Assassin's Creed Revelations. I don't know, never played it, but I do. Yeah. I do, I will totally agree that it's very un Fallout like because mm -hmm. like nothing else has been done like that. And um, yeah, it, it's totally like a Mass Effect feel to it. Totally. Did you did you like make sure that you checked everything? Well, I didn't realize at first how that worked. Uh, I walked the first memory and clicked activate and it uh, I heard him talk and um then I moved on to the next memory and then I realized you can activate every person in the memory, some of the things in the memory and it would take a long time if you clicked on everything. I, I, I was a, a memory or two in before I realized yeah, I, I made sure to check every single thing. Yeah. It was a good just, it was a good half an hour, 45 minutes. I'd like to say the big thing that really jumped out at me his name is Connie. <laughs> my husband was murdered and my life was destroyed by a man named Connie. <laughs> a very very mean man named Connie. 
Well, that's probably why he's mean. If they <laughs> named him like Seth or Tom, maybe this would have never happened. Uh, the boy named Sue syndrome. I, I exactly. Say. Well, I got to say, too, that if you didn't check everything in that first room, he talks about how his dad would beat his mom and him. Right. And his mom gave him a gun to protect the family with. And he he eventually ran away from home and he didn't go back to save his mom. Yeah. And he felt really, really bad about that. So, like, yeah, I I, I don't know if you got all that from checking everything. But uh, I did get that he had an abusive father and uh, his mother wanted him to kill his father, but he didn't realize that until later on. Right. Yeah. OK. All right. I just wasn't sure if you'd. Yeah. I guess that would be the main one to pick. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool uh, that his mom gave him that gun and said, you know, nobody else is ever going to protect you. This is the only thing that will protect you. Yeah. And then all these years later, that's still the gun he's using. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's history, you know, that's meaningful. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, going through the whole sequence, I felt, I felt so much pity for that guy. Yeah. I, uh, I was very interested in Kellogg's history. I, and it was a cool story. It was an epic story, you know, and, and everybody is the hero of their own story, right? Yeah. And of course, Kellogg is the hero of his own story. Uh, even though he is the villain in ours. And I felt like seeing this from his point of view was supposed to make us feel empathy and, and maybe forgive him when we got out. But to me, it made him even more monstrous because he's been there. He lost his family and he uh, he went and took vengeance on the people that, that killed his family. Yeah. And then he's going around doing that to other people. He put me in the same situation without even hesitating. And that's horrible. That made it more horrible. That made me hate him more. I, um, can I say two things on that? Go right ahead. I don't think it was meant to make you feel empathy. I think it was meant to make you understand his descent more. That mm -hmm. that he's not just a jerk, but he's someone who had feelings. And instead of losing everything and turning around, he lost everything and decided to take it out on the world. Um, that's how, what I got from it. And also it, it, you're right. It does repeat itself. And I kind of feel like he left you alive or he expected you to take revenge on him. Like he almost wanted you to. See, I don't think so. He left us alive because the Institute told him to. And I think the Institute wanted us to kill Kellogg. I, I don't think, I don't think that, but I think he was expecting you, um, I really felt like he was expecting you out of some sort of stroke of fate because it's too ironic that the same that what he did to you was what he did to someone else, and there you are taking revenge. It's like the cyclical thing. Um, yeah, it's it's really bookended with the uh, what you just did to get to this memory sequence. You know what you did mm -hmm. uh, coming to Fort Hagen because there's this moment in the memory where it shows Kellogg walking through this corridor to get revenge on the guys that killed his family. And they're talking to him through a loudspeaker in this concrete corridor. Yeah. And he kicks the door in and takes them out. And that's the same thing we just did. It's really a mirror image. You know, it's 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 yeah. funny because it's it's two really similar situations. And uh, 
we can see what he did with it. And now what are we going to do with that situation? Are we going to end up being, you know, this monster like Kellogg? Or are we going to take a different path and uh, and make something else with it? Yeah. You know? And I feel like I feel like for me in the dialogue, he I think he said I don't know if he did this or not, but this is the feeling I got. I, I feel like he said something along the lines of like it was what he was expecting. It was kind of how he wanted to go in in a way like it was very there was something else at work as far as what he was how he wanted to die kind of thing. Uh, but you're right. It was very, very similar. And uh, there was one more thing that I had to say about this uh, memory sequence. Those jerks have my kid thinking that some other guy is his father. <laughs> yeah. I was all mad at that. That was tough. And uh, then when we came out of the memory den, uh, I went upstairs to talk to Nick after I got out of the memory lounger. Oh, yeah. And he speaks with Kellogg's voice. That yeah. was so crazy. And now I feel like Nick is compromised. I can't trust Nick. Mm-hmm. But I should be keeping an eye on Nick, and I'm waiting now for his sudden but inevitable betrayal. Mm, so you're keeping him with you? Well, I, I switch companions out all the time in this game. Gotcha. Yeah, that but was... But I definitely haven't dismissed him and, like, sent him back to his office. Yeah, I I pulled out a gun as soon as I heard him talking like that, and I was like, oh, okay. He yeah, just... and he's, he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what? I Never mind. <laughs> So. so I wonder if there's some part of Kellogg that is going to, if it was just one little glitch for now, or if there's a part of Kellogg that lives on in Nick that may want to kill us in the future. That's very interesting. I'm, I'm, I, I didn't think of it that far into it, but yeah, you could be very right. I'm going to be brokenhearted if they make me kill Nick. Yeah, he's a lot of he. He's loved by a lot of people. I mean. Yeah. Players. He's cool. He's cool. So that's as far as I am in the main story. They give you the orders to go to the uh, the glowing sea to yep. find some rogue institute scientist. Yep. Oh yeah. And that's right. uh, I uh, there's some several different dialogue options there. I chose the one that said they, they're telling you, hey, you know, you need to load up on Radex or uh, or take a power armor or something. And I tell the lady, nope, I'm going in naked, hoping for superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, So that's what I'm going to do next in the main story. I've also been working on faction quests. Yeah. I progressed the Brotherhood of Steel quest a little bit. Mm -hmm. I did some of the Radiant quests for uh, Reese and the lady. I've forgotten her name. Some scribe. Yeah, scribe. Scribe lady. Yep. (laughs) And... um, I thought their story was really interesting that she uh she felt like he might have feelings for her and uh she was like disappointed because he's like married to the brotherhood. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just a jerk. I, I think she can totally. do better. But oh totally. Anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> that's really a that's not at all to do with where I'm going. But I did a couple of Radiant Quests, and then I went with Paladin Dance on board the Pridwin, which was I was very excited to do. Mm. And I met Elder Maxon, went to his speech, I, and his first speech was like, oh, you know, the 
death to the Institute and the synths, and I hate synths. Synths are the worst. I hate them rascally rabbits. And I had taken McCready with me. I was so glad that I didn't have <laughs> Nick with me. I thought, man, they might just execute him right there. Yeah. They hate the synths so much. Yeah. But I'm in love with Elder Maxon's coat. And <laughs> I'm, I'm actually thinking about killing him just for the coat. It's really good. I'd look really nice in that coat. You call me crazy. <laughs> it's a really good coat, though. <laughs> and there's, it's really interesting. I don't know. I thought I had made good notes here, um, but I'm not seeing the things that I was thinking. <laughs> I, uh, so Maxon's backstory is amazing. Did you read any of the terminals about Maxon's backstory? Hello, night. Yeah. Describe. <laughs> well, let me tell you about Maxon's backstory. Please do, because I'm curious. So you remember the Lions Brotherhood from Fallout 3? And yeah. Elder Lyons was raising this kid called Squire Maxon. No, I don't remember that. In the Citadel, you could find this kid named Squire Maxon running around the Citadel in the, the residential area. Huh. Uh, I know you probably went into Elder Lyons' room because there was a special unique weapon in his safe that you could get. Yeah, the, that laser pistol? Yeah. Yep. Um... So around that area is where Squire Maxon was. And I think there was like a skill book underneath his bed to Squire Maxon. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Anyways, this kid, Squire Maxon, a descendant of Roger Maxon, I believe was the name. One of the founders of the Brotherhood. Oh. Uh, original founder of the Brotherhood. And he was the last of the Maxon line, I believe, uh, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong about that. Well, the Lionses meet a tragic fate. Elder Lions dies of old. and <laughs> Dies of old. <laughs> dies of old. And Sarah Lyons uh, dies on the field of combat, Aww. which makes me really sad. I was hoping to see a more mature Sarah Lyons in this game. Yeah. And Squire Max, the, the Brotherhood's thrown into a period of turmoil without the leadership of the Lions. And, uh, and there's a bunch of elders that are elected and then, then fall because they're not good elders. And Squire Maxon, at like 13, saves the squad of his bodyguards from some raiders. Wow. And then he single-handedly takes on a deathclaw that gives him the scar on his face. Whoa. And at 16, I believe, he becomes elder of the Brotherhood and then unifies the Lion's Eastern Brotherhood with the rest of the Brotherhood. The outcasts? And, uh, yeah, he, he, un he unifies, he brings the outcasts back into the fold. Whoa. And he's this total badass. Just yeah. amazing. And I, I, I want to like him. I really do. But he's <laughs> such an iconoclast. I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to like him. Yep. No, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you. But he's a really rad guy with this really rad history. Yeah. Lots of interesting terminals on the Pridwin. He, um, did you meet the mechanic lady from the Pridwin? Was she the, the chick in the power armor suit? Right. Yeah. No leg. Lieutenant Dan, you've got no leg. <laughs> wow. I I'm didn't sorry. Even make that connection. 
I shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> you did. You went there. Um, yeah, I did, though. There's... If you read the inter-office emails, there's, like... She's trying to get back onto field service. Oh, and wow. Maxon won't let her because she's got no legs. And you're too important with your mechanical skills. We can't lose you. And all of the dudes that are on that floor of the Pridwin are trying to cheer her up. <laughs> and, and it just, it's so funny. They're like, hey, you know, we found some of that candy you like. And why don't we share it? And wow. I thought that was really funny that um, all these dudes were after her. And she's so mean. Such a mean lady. Yeah, she's totally mean. So we got the, the next mission to clear Fort Strong. Mm-hmm. Is we don't want super mutants to have mini nukes. That seemed totally reasonable. It does. So I went there with Paladin Dance. And uh, we cleared it out. And I was really disappointed that there's only two or three mini nukes that you can actually acquire for yourself. <laughs> I know. In the mini nukes. It's like, there's a whole crap ton of mini nukes. You're like, I found two, dude. I was like, yes. I'm you know, I was so excited. But Carrying more than that. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, uh... You can see a crate, an opened crate at the end of the the fort that shows pieces of mini nukes. Yeah. So then you get to see, like, that's why there's not, they're unassembled. But I thought, like, well, I, I can build out of tin cans and a rubber band and some razor grain. I can make a pistol. Why can't I assemble these mini nukes? <laughs> anyway. Did you pass the speech check with Paladin Dance after you finished clearing the fort? Yeah, I did. He talks about hating super mutants. You must hate them as much as me. Hey, Paladin Dance, why do you hate the super mutants so much? They killed his best friend. Well, I guess you didn't unlock his second part of that story. Oh, is there a second part? There's a second part of that story, and that's why I don't take Dance anywhere. Do you want to know, or do you want to find out on your own? I don't know. Did I miss my shot at finding that out? Or no, you have to pal around with him more. Oh, don't tell me. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna hang out. I'm gonna go find him. You'll hate. I him. don't know. He left me after we finished that quest. He's yes. like, I'll clean up here. I'll clean up the super mutant bodies. Mm-hmm. And why can't I? Why can't I recruit him again? Where is he now? You have to wait a little bit, I believe. I think he's on the Pridwin, hanging out there. Okay, well, I need to find him. So I felt like like we broke up. Oh. Like, are we not friends anymore? No, he he. You split up for a minute, but then you can recruit him eventually. I forget how. I think you might have to keep doing some. I think you have to do some quests for Elder Maxon, or go back and talk to the air captain okay. who gives you a scribe that you have to babysit for like a mission, mm-hmm. and then you can pick up dance again. But if you pal around with dance like I was, he eventually tells you a story. Did you do his quest uh, finding the squad? No. Okay, so you do that quest, and then as he likes you, he starts telling you more about his past? I have only had Dance with me for the one mission to clear Fortune. Okay, yeah. He's super useful. His mission is super fun to do. But when he tells you more of his backstory, you just... You think I'm not going to like him anymore? Yeah, I don't think you're like him anymore. But you should, you should do it and get to that point and decide for yourself, obviously. But... Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, uh, it was definitely a page turner for me. I want to like the Brotherhood so much, but I don't think I'm going to be able to. Yeah. And uh, I ha- I got from my loot crate, my Fallout loot crate, these buttons, these like pins. Yeah, yeah. 
And I wear a vest at work a lot um, because my workplace is cold. And I have a Brotherhood of Steel pin on the lapel of this vest. And I feel like, man, I'm going to have to switch it out for one of the other pins. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're rough in this one. They're not tolerant. But moving along from the Brotherhood, I joined the Railroad. And I'm really enjoying the Railroad and their mm-hmm. cloak and dagger sneakiness. It's awesome. Deacon is so great. Yes. Yeah, he's awesome. He changes clothes every time you turn your head. <laughs> he does. It's so good. I love it. And he's a smart aleck, and mm-hmm. I love that. And I did the quest uh, to get the, the thing from the underneath the donut shop. Oh, uh, yeah. the uh, Their safe house or whatever? Right, their old safe house. Oh, wait a minute. Under is, the donut shop. Is that the hub or whatever they call? Um, it's like an old military installation? I don't know what it was called, but it was underneath the donut shop. But was it a military installation? Probably. Okay. It looked very militarily. Okay, because that was the terminal that I found the it, on the second floor when you get in the main room. There's a, like a window overlooking the area, I think. There's a terminal up there that actually... That was the photo I tweeted at you. The terminal up there seems to suggest because they got... Yes, that's from, the place. Yeah, from NORAD, the Chinese did, in fact, fire first. Yes, I, I thought that was very interesting yep. to hear. Um, so, yeah, that was the military bunker. And that's where you learn about Pam. There's a really funny dialogue option when you're taking this quest. And he tells you, like, yes, our old hideout here. And if you choose the sarcastic option, <laughs> she says... Your base was under a donut shop? Yeah, I chose that too. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, I didn't get that one. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so the quest wasn't really anything special. You just kill some mutants and uh, mutants. I'm sorry, synths. You kill some institute synths and pick up a, a MacGuffin at the end. A what? MacGuffin, the, the reason for doing something. Was it called the just, MacGuffin? Yeah. That's just the, a literary term for the reason for doing something when it doesn't really matter. Oh, okay. Never heard that before. Um, and we got the thing and he gave me the deliverer. That was cool. Yeah, that gun is super sweet. And I made best friends with McCready in the middle of this fight, <laughs> which I thought was so random. It was the most awkward time. We're fighting since and McCready stops me and he's like, hey... We need to talk. It's like a Kanye West moment. Yeah. I'm going to let you finish killing me. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. But <laughs> I think you're the best man in the whole wide world. And you're, well, for you, it would be the girl. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you know, I just, I've never had anybody look out for me like this. He tells me his story. Um, should we go into the story? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he tells me the story of losing his wife to some ghouls because they hid in a in a subway that was not safe. <laughs> it was a ghoul fight. <sighs> Sorry. I can't even, Rick. <laughs> All the other he kids are like, his lovely fight, his lovely wife Lucy to the ghouls in the subway and he's feeling like so discouraged he's not even sure that it's a good thing that he and his son escaped maybe they would have been better all to die together and i tell him no you know chin up you saved the baby that's great you know bt dubs where's the baby 
I, I know. I want to know who's watching the baby, and I wonder if he left him at Little Lamplight. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I don't. Because I, I just wondered who's watching the kid. If because I assumed he was home with the wife, and that's why I failed at flirting. But no, uh. no, I just I just failed at flirting. So <laughs> there was another flirt option, but it was red. So I decided not even to try it. And just to be best friends with McCready. So we're, we're best friends now. Nice. And uh, he gives you the, the soldier figurine, the wooden soldier toy that his wife made for him. Nope, I definitely didn't get that. You didn't get that? I, well, see, you probably already finished. See, what happened was you, you finished his um, assassination quest, essentially. I, and then right after I finished that, I'm still on the keep traveling with McCready. So, okay, well, if yet. you if you keep going with him, he'll tell you this story about the wife mm-hmm. and give you this toy that's a, fi- a wooden soldier. Oh, and he cool. says, hey, I know this is a weird, a weird gift for uh, all the things you've done for me. <laughs> and but, you know, his wife made it for him because he told her that he was a soldier. He couldn't he didn't want her to think less of him when he said, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a filthy mercenary. Oh, what? And, uh, a mercenary? Oh, I thought you said a Philippine mercenary. I was like, filthy, filthy. Oh, filthy mercenary. <laughs> That's a little random. Oh, no. baby, baby, I'm a Philippine mercenary, huh? Yeah. Well, he he didn't want to tell her that he was just a killer, so he told her he, he was a soldier, and she made him that figurine. And I was just I was going to ask whether you had accidentally scrapped it because it's listed under junk in your inventory. It shows how much you care. <laughs> it's listed under junk. Wow. So I have it on the shelf in my little back room of my gas station next to the Your Special book Aww. and uh, my husband's American flag. Aww. Uh, Oh, I, and I scrapped that. <laughs> you did? You scrapped the flag? Well, I guess it's your flag, at least. I didn't, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have like my, my uh, special knickknacks there displayed on the shelf. Nice. And I put McCready's thing on there. Oh. And I, I almost scrapped it on accident because <laughs> I always just add all junk to workshops. Yeah. All junk. Yep. So now I'm going to have to start checking my junk. <laughs> And I guess that's really as far as I've gotten in terms of spoilery things. Cool. All right. We've been going for a long time. We have been going for a long time. We're about a, about a hour 15 in. Um, yeah, I love the railroad too. So we will definitely, I, I think that's oh. who I'm sticking with. What's your railroad code name? Oh, I forget. What's yours? I'm Fixer. Oh, mine was... Uh, Shadow or something? Crap. I forget. I forget what that was. Did you let Tinker Tom give you a shot of battery acid? I think I did. That was so funny. What happened? Just refresh my memory. Okay, Tinker Tom is telling you, have you had anything to eat out there? You might not be clean. And I'm like, are you asking me if I eat? Yes. He said, no, there's the Institute puts these little robots in the food. And oh, then they yes, that's right. I didn't take it. Says, I can give you this shot. You know, it'll kill the little robots. And the doctor is nearby and he says, uh, there's battery acid in that shot. 
says, can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Wow. I remember that, so, but I did not take the shot. I let him give me the shot. And then I had the blurry vision thing and my controller was like vibrating for like two minutes. And I'm like, what did you do? But it made him happy and Deacon loved it. So there's that. Deacon, I love Deacon. De- he probably liked it for sadistic reasons. <laughs> like he just <laughs> likes watching you squirm. Or was that I get back and he's telling Desdemona this big story about how mm-hmm. I killed a hundred synths single-handedly <laughs> yeah. with Deacon thrown over my shoulder. That's right. Um, just back to the code name thing. I picked Whisperer. Ah. Uh, because I'm at that point, I was more stealthy than I am now. Yeah. Are you wearing a lot of power armor now? Just going in. Just for now. Um, it's just a lot of fun to kind of go loud and shoot things mm-hmm. and. And, and, so yeah, like a military kind of guy. It, it, it's fun to do that every once in a while. So yeah, yeah. I'm happy that I've gotten. Uh, I'm not super high level yet. I think I'm still at like 29. Mm. Um, but I'm really glad that I've hit a point where I can fight big things without power armor. Nice. Yeah. Because I, I don't like. I'm not crazy about the power armor. When I, I don't that much. When I don't wear power armor, I wear a ballistic Mark III. Uh, military fatigues with like I think leg armor and ooh, uh, leather chest armor, and that's pretty much it. So I mm-hmm. think my my uh, armor rating is like one thirty something, but with power armor it grows to like over fourteen hundred at this point. Nice. So still looking for that XL. It's ridiculous, but yeah, I still don't even have a full suit of sixty. <laughs> well, I have the Brotherhood set. Yeah, I, that's that's actually not my strongest armor. Um, I have something that's better than that, and I forget I forget what it is. It's mismatched, but I forget what all of it is. I, I don't know. I have to sit garage. down and... Huh? I need a bigger garage. I don't think I can fit any more power armor in the garage at the Red Rocket. Yeah, I need to sit down and like write down what everything is and figure out what I want to do with it all. I don't know. It's 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 a lot to go over, but I'll I think maybe for one of our other episodes I'll talk more about and maybe show some pictures about that and talk more about the power armor I have. But, that would be um, cool. But yeah, so. But yeah, I think that's it for our spoiler stuff. Uh, yeah, I think we covered everything at this point. Uh, I guess at this point I'll keep plugging around, not really fiddling with the story until you catch up so we can talk about it more in depth. Hopefully you'll catch up before we do our next spoiler cast. You're not that far behind me. So yeah, I want to thank you all for listening to this spoiler cast episode two. It went a little long, but that's fine. There's a lot to cover. Uh, you can tweet at the show at Fallout OTR on Twitter. You can also tweet at me at Rick McVick, and you can tweet at Shaleen at Shaleen L. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Have a good evening, guys. Bye.